everyone. I'm Lauren. And I'm Lindsay. And I'm Hugo. And this is Hugo's Post. Swearing Mamas. All right. <laughs> flawless that time. Flawless execution, guys. There we go. All right. So do we want to get into what today's episode is? Yes. It's the collab of 2020. Oh, wow. Then we're peaking early if this is the collab of 2020. You know, we have don't want high expectations. Oh, all well, right. Okay. I mean, my hope is that, like, with this amazing collab, we will finally, finally get to have Bill Nye on. This will catch his attention, though. This will we'll be overdue, for sure. I know. So, yeah, we have Hugo from Hugo's Post. And I'm Lauren, as I said in the intro. And. And I'm Lindsay. I don't are we doing that. <laughs> um, and this is where what if this whole episode was just us over and over saying our names? <laughs> yeah, and introducing um anyway, we're gonna talk about some things and we're all gonna share our opinions. So first though, before we like jump in, swearing mamas, if you're new to us. We kind of talk about parenting. We try and have a laugh about it. And also, like, maybe we, like, bitch a little bit about things. Um, And sometimes we have our serious heartfelt moments as well. And then it's Um, often ruined by God knows what. Shrek. Um, Yeah. What else? Shower oranges. Or potty, what did I say the, a couple episodes ago? Potty staging. You potty said that staging. two times. <laughs> I have to now bring it up three. Uh, many Scooby-Doo references. Lots of bad jokes. Me saying daddy. Uh, <laughs> that's our Which may that's or our may not be a bad thing. Hey! <laughs> I've got someone on my team. I'm just going to skate over that. <laughs> Lindsay is team no daddy. No, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, I am of two minds about it. Um, I, I, I certainly, obviously, whenever, you know, my kids say it, it's fantastic. I'll be honest with you that whenever my wife does it, I, uh, my wife does it, I recoil. Uh, so I guess I'm, I'm <laughs> flip-flopping. There's something just odd about it. I like that our that you know that our what is it that what I'm looking for that, that we have these that, that we're not reverting back. I, I you know even though I call her lots of different names, many of them that I can't say with you guys here. I, I just have an issue with the mommy and the daddy. I don't like that kind of play. All right, all right. Well, now we've already gotten into our first debate topic, and we didn't even intro Hugo. <laughs> Hugo, can you tell us about your podcast? Well, yeah. So, so for me, a lot of it is just off the cuff. Uh, you know, if I happen to be complaining, carping, uh, pontificating on something on Twitter, and I feel that I don't have enough uh, characters to express how I really feel about things, then I'll jump onto the podcast and I'll give people more of a background on, on, on what I guess I'm, you know, I'm feeling about things. So, for instance, in the last episode, I pitched a great deal about insurance and health insurance. I also complained about you know, the flu season and, and how I am of two minds sometimes when it comes to whether you should give your kids the flu shot or not and all the turmoil that goes inside my head. 
Um, and it's, it's just topical. It's just me as a 41-year-old dad who is dealing with kids getting into their teenage years, uh, also having not a necessarily a um, midlife crisis, but somebody who's all of a sudden realizing that I'm on a different stage of life and what that means for me. All of that is what basically my my podcast is about. It's just, you know, my take on the world as I see it, um, my philosophy, my ideas, and, and, and on occasion I'll do an interview or so with somebody that I think is interesting, whether it be uh, a physicist or whether somebody who's sex positive, it doesn't really matter as long as they're interesting and they want to talk, I'll have them on. Awesome. So... We're excited to be doing this together. Yay. (laughs) So we've each brought some things for everyone to talk about. And I heard Lindsay had, and I quote, a bunch. So (laughs) I'm sure we probably have some that are the same. But yeah, I figured that too. Well, why don't you start us off? Okay. So where should I start? Should I just close my eyes and pick one off my list? Let's see. I'll do that. Uh... All right. So the first topic is going to be school versus homeschool. That was one of mine. See, I knew it. <laughs> so, and I, when I saw that one, I was like, Lauren's going to like this one. All right. So where do we stand on homeschooling versus going, having your child go away to school? And I think, Hugo, you'll be able to actually talk about this more since your ch- children are in school. Or school age. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that certainly we live in a time when there is option, when there are options, and that's a good thing. Um, you know, I, I have seen kids who have a great degree of a great degree of anxiety that just don't do very well in the public school setting. Uh, and I talked to some of those parents, and they realized very very early on that it's being in that kind of environment is too taxing on them. Uh, also, bullying is an issue, and so uh, there are times when, if you have the financial means, or if you can make the sacrifices to take on homeschooling, then I think we think you definitely should. With that being said, I've always felt that there's a component of schooling that prepares you for the world as far as coping with other people in the environment. I mean, I think yes. the socialization is so important. Uh, I know, for instance, middle school because I, I spend a lot of time volunteering at my kids' middle school, it's a rough place to be. It was rough when I was a kid. It's rough now. But somehow my kids are navigating through that world with very little issue. But it, but they're also realizing that the stuff that they see on TV doesn't necessarily correlate to what real life is like and that they have to deal with tough personalities, uh, adults and kids that they may or may not like. Um, what gossip is, what gossip is, and in, in how social media is now affecting it. And all of that training cannot necessarily be done, all that socialization cannot necessarily be done at the homeschool level. So I think it's a give and take like anything else. Yes, yeah. I answer. agree as well. <clears throat> that was a good answer. Well, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just fun, you know. Schooling is, I don't know, I mean, you guys are probably, and I don't mean this, you know, you know in, a, in a weird way, but you guys are probably closer to high school and middle school than I am. I mean, again, I'm, I'm 40-something. But I don't know that we have changed all that much as people, with the exception of social media. 
And, um, you know, I said, I, I just think that homeschool, as good as it is, it's, it's sequestering your kid for good reason. But at the same time, how do you teach them that, that they have to play along with others, whether they like them or not? Yes. Also, it's like I always say, if I felt like that's where my skills were and I was qualified enough to be my kid's educator, then I would have been a teacher. Um, so it's also for me, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I also don't know that I trust myself to be the only source of their education. Although, I mean, it's not a diss against homeschool parents. I'm obviously there are plenty of really super smart homeschooled kids who their parents have done it correctly. But I just feel like I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I well, feel like there are plenty. Yeah, in a certain way, also, it's a component of your, your financial situation. Uh, you know, homeschooling requires to a certain degree that if parents stay back at home, and not every household has the ability to do so. To a certain, so to a certain degree, I think that um, there's a demographic or, or a caste or a group that can afford to do so, and good and fully for them if they can. But it isn't for everybody. I know plenty of parents who would love to stay at home with their kids, but they just can't financially do it. Right. Yeah. Once my kids in school, I'll definitely be working and. Um... I don't, I don't know. Like, it seems like most of, I'm going to be serious here. This is not like an exaggeration. All of the parents I have met in my town that I live in now, all of them except for maybe one, well, I guess two, because one of them has a school age kid. So all of them then, except for two that I can think of are planning to homeschool. So I think that's crazy. And also, I'm like, fine, you keep your kids at home and my kid's going to have small class sizes, plenty of time with the teacher. He's going to be having a short wait in the lunch line, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I think, <clears throat> sorry, I think it really depends on the child as well. Uh, my husband's going to kill me, um, but he actually was homeschooled um, through his whole school career, if you will. And um, there are just some things that he doesn't know because he was homeschooled. And it literally makes me laugh sometimes because I'm just like, why didn't you, why don't you know that? And he was like, right. I don't know. We just never learned it. But I will also say, so he kind of did like a, I guess, hybrid homeschool. So he only went, he did go to a school, I think two days a week. Um, Interesting. For like, I guess teacher interaction, but like his, oh my gosh. So <laughs> he went, uh, he graduated like what, 11 years ago. Um, so oh. we went to his, like, they did like a reunion, if you will. Guys, it was five kids. We just went to dinner. <laughs> was like, this is ridiculous. It was so funny. And then it was like, I unfortunately couldn't make it to my 10 year reunion but I'm like, I kind of wanted to just so he could see how huge my graduating class was, you know? Right. I'm mad I missed that. But, yeah, how many how many did we have? I don't know. I remember at the time it was like the largest in our school's history. 
Um, I remember them saying that at our graduation, but I can't remember the actual number. I'm so bad with numbers. Oh, oh, well Several above 100. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was almost at 1,000, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we were at like 700. Oh, yeah. My, my class was huge. I'm going to say about 500 kids. Um, you know, that's, that's LAUND, Los Angeles Unified School District. I mean, we had massive graduating classes uh, to the point where, I mean, literally, I mean, we took up a whole stadium uh, when we had our graduation day. Ours was at a horse center. Ours was at an equestrian center. <laughs> because our stadium wasn't big enough. <laughs> Does everyone at all graduations blow up condoms like balloons, Hugo? Does that happen at yours? Well, we're Mexican, so we're not used known for using condoms, so I can't say. But, uh, you know. <laughs> See, uh, this is where oh I get myself God. into this is where I get myself into trouble with uh, with jokes like that. <laughs> no, I mean for for us, I mean it's a very it, it's a mix. I remember now. Now I'm going to age myself, but I, I remember the cardigans were huge back then, and so uh, you know, so we were singing. That was our graduation song. But then, of course, there's mariachi somewhere in between there. You know, nine. Say eighty percent of the population is, is Latino, so it's a uh, it's a party. That's for sure. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean it, it's a party in East LA, so it, graduation time is always special. But I know I remember back then just feeling really lost. Like I did not know what the heck was going to happen. Uh, I felt like a prisoner being let out of jail for the first time, and you know, in a long time, and all of a sudden realizing now what the hell do I do with my life? Yeah. Yeah, but back to the the homeschooling thing. You said that your husband was sheltered from a lot of things. I mean, to a certain degree, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing because I I, I feel like kids nowadays, they have so much thrown at them. There's so much information that they have available to them that they don't know how to handle it. It's like drinking out of a fountain. Yeah, and that's actually the reason that, like, the parents that – I hear talk about it in my area. They're always saying they want to, like, protect their kids. Um, And so that's usually the reasoning. And I'm definitely, like, honestly, I'm not shitting on homeschool kids or parents at all. Like, if that's your decision. I just don't know that it's – I feel like it's the best way. But, yeah, they want to protect their kids from – I don't share that, like, kind of fear. But the thing that I did sort of understand was parents who said that they – had that fear of like all the school shootings that hit me like when there the first time there was a school shooting after I had my son I was like oh my god maybe I should homeschool too like that's terrifying I get that at the same time if 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 it, if it was only if it was an issue that was only happening at the schools that's one thing but the sad thing of, of where we're at as a society now is that you could be anywhere in a few minutes my wife yeah. is going to take the kids to the mall and I always worry because I'm also a social place and if somebody wants to do something terrible, they can do it there. Or if we go to a concert, I'm always yeah. on the lookout. Or if I go to the movies, I'm the, I'm the dad that's kind of looking around and kind of taking stock of who, uh, you know, who's coming in and who's coming out and who looks sketchy and who doesn't because you never know where it's going to be. So I, I get that 100%, but if it was relegated only to the schools, that's one thing. But unfortunately, because of how, how much weaponry we have out there, you could be anywhere. 
and, and unfortunately, you can't sequester yourself from the rest of the world. Um, you know, I grew up in East LA, um, and it, you know, so it was a rough part of town in the '80s in Los Angeles. And I used to walk back and forth from school about five miles, you know, through alleys and to you know, through places that I probably now myself as a helicopter parent would never take my kid. And and I always. It's always funny to me that I happen to live in an all-American city uh, where if you follow my Instagram, you see what you know that our biggest issue yesterday was a bear in the neighborhood. And but I worry about all these terrible things happening. Whereas I grew up in a much rougher town at the time and without supervision, and I survived. Survived just fine. That's true. That's a good point. And um, <clears throat> kind of just like draws back to a big attitude that we share a lot on this podcast, which is basically just like, w- as parents, we're always going to be terrified. But then at the same time, like, you can't like live inside that fear. So right. And then there's also another component that, I, that you know, that I, I kind of wanted to bring up, which is the, the issues that nowadays, my kiddos, like I said, they live in a fairly safe bubble. And then I was at a party the other day with, you know, some of our local you know, pals here. And, you know, my kids are getting to be in, well, they're teens. They're, they're middle schoolers, so they're, they're in their teens. And I was hanging out, having some drinks, telling jokes the way that I typically do. And then all of a sudden, uh, a, about a gaggle of about 20 middle schoolers, they're, all, they're, they're snickering amongst themselves. And then one of them comes to me and is like, hey, you know, is this your Instagram? And just puts it, her phone in my face, and I'm like, "Yeah, it is." And for the most part, everything that I put on there is things that I can live with. But I also realize that, you know, since I've had it for a long time, that there are photos of me like at the beach and they're shirtless, and, and I, I like to try to take care of myself, and you know, fit. Um, but I'll, but then my son, I, I see him over there, and he's not necessarily embarrassed, but he's like, "Oh shit, they found out that's Instagram." which also means that they could find that Twitter, which also means that they could find that podcast and all the stuff that I talk about. And so not only do I feel now that I have to protect them from the outside influences of the world, but I also have to kind of protect them or at least understand that what that what dad posts can affect him because kids will look at it, pick on it, or, or at least address it. And so it's coming from both sides. Whereas once upon a time, it used to be the internal issues going on at home were private. And your friends weren't necessarily always privy to. Yeah, definitely been kind of a different experience for us, I guess, growing up with that stuff more available. Lindsay, do you, like, (laughs) care if Tim sees this podcast eventually? Um... I don't know. I mean, I don't see why not. It's not like, you know, it's a parenting podcast. I'm not doing anything to speak of the devil. He is now coming up the stairs. Um, I mean, I did, though there is a clip of him in the last episode saying his poop is green. (laughs) I mean, it was. (laughs) What's up? You're such a great singer. Yeah, he's singing. All Check right. it out. All right. Um, so I don't 
think I would have an issue with that. Um, it's not like I'm Snooky from Jersey Shore. I would definitely not I let wish. my kids see Jersey Shore if I was on that. But <laughs> this is totally <laughs> different. I don't mind. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I let my kids just recently watched The Circle on the Netflix. Love and, that uh, show. And, uh, I mean, they got an eyeful, uh, and all of a sudden they're like, nah, I don't need the social media. I'm cool. So... I don't try to shield them too much or stuff like that. But again, I have middle school. All right. So do we want to go into some rapid fire questions? Sure. Yes. All right. So let's start with um, co-sleeping. Are we for it? Why not as long as everyone's sleeping? Or no, we all need our own space. Remind me what co-sleeping is. Um, having your kids sleep in your bed with you. I'll let you guys answer and I'll give you mine. Okay. Um, I am against it for babies because of I just don't think it's safe unless you have a giant bed and a, some, an apparatus in the bed, a co-sleeper in the bed, in which case that's fine. But just putting your baby between you and the bed, I know plenty of people do it safely, but I just uh, – there's so many unsafe possibilities. But once your kid gets older, whatever, I don't care. Do what you want. I wouldn't, but I mean, I'll let him sleep in here on occasion, but we're not doing this every night. Um, I am the same way. Um, I mean, I actually did sleep. Tim slept in our bed when he was an infant. Um, We had an apparatus in our bed. We've gone over this in an episode. Um, Now I am in the no. We need our space. (laughs) There are some nights where he asked to sleep in bed with me and I'm like, yeah, sure. And then like literally 15 minutes later, he's like, kicking he needs to be like touching me and i'm like nope back in your room see you later what's up yes i love you i love you too i love you too fix that yeah i'm I'm, I'm fond of him um you know i I guess what i would say is very you know i'll just parrot what you guys have said but i were very keen on this from the very beginning that we will we always reserved our space for ourselves we wanted to make sure that we didn't get lost in the kids um yes. so what that means is that you know we have our bed we have our bedroom yeah and, you know and it doesn't necessarily mean that we have a closed door policy not at all it's just that you need to differentiate yourself from the kids and they need to know that they have their space and you have yours and on occasion it's nice it's it's a treat but no nah, they need to get the heck out I agree. <laughs> yes. All right. I will say this though, that on occasion, and this has been happening now more than their own, you know, they're getting older. It's there'll be times when um, it's nice to ask them, "Hey, do you want to come over and snuggle and hang out and hang out?" And they're like, "No, I have my own bed." And then, mm-hmm. ironically, it sucks because it's like, "Well, you used to be my baby. Now you don't want to." Anymore. <laughs> so, careful yes. you know, what you what you ask for. Right. All right. What age to start potty training? Under two or over two? Oh, gosh. Under two. I mean, for me, anyways. For us, anyways. You said under? Uh, I couldn't hear you. Under two. Okay. Yeah. Well, we all know I started under two, but we're still potty training. But we we started before. Yeah, I attempted under two and it just didn't work out. I gave up. I was like, you know what? It's whatever. He'll go when he's ready. So I did actually over two. Yeah, All I right. mean, every kid's going to be a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah, all kids are different. It's 
the theme of this podcast. Um, All right. Next one is an interesting one. (laughs) Do you kiss your kids on the lips? Yeah. Yes. All right. So this... (laughs) I'm going to be the one that says no. <laughs> but, I will, but I will say that that was for us. And I don't know about you guys, but that was something that my wife is of German descent, white girl, and I'm Latina, Mexican. And growing up, that was never a thing. To my parents, that was um, sacrilegious is the closest word that I'm going to find to it. And, and it wasn't something that I was used to. Kissing on the lips was reserved for, you know, somebody that you're in love with or somebody that you find at two in the morning uh, at a bar somewhere. And, <laughs> and so, boy or girl. Anyways, but it was one of those things where when my wife did it, like I, I had to question. I'm like, oh, I guess we're doing that now. Uh, because for her, it was just a, a, a reflex. And then after a while, it just became the norm here, and it's not a big thing until my mother saw it, and then she questioned it. But my, our rule in our home is that mom does not get an opinion on how we raise the kids. Uh, yes. she's more than she's more than welcome to, you know, call me to the side and say, "Hey, listen." But as far as her getting a vote, mom doesn't get a vote, and so and, and she grabs accustomed to it too but i will say that for us it was not an automatic oh it's just the way that it is uh and it took me a second or two to like reconcile it and be all right with it yeah i mean like don't get me wrong i have and tim is now becoming like i guess not more interested in it that sounds weird but he sees drew and i or like on tv shows or whatever people kissing so he assumes that it's normal and every time he like is like no on the lips because I'm a head kisser. I'll just kiss the top of his head or his forehead or his cheek or whatever. And um, he'll be like no on the lips, and it's like I do it just to like you know comply because I don't want to upset my child. But in my head, I'm like oh this is strange. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's like also I can't grew up from a family where it wasn't weird to kiss your parents. Like I mean. Um, but as I got older, I just, it's, it's weird to me. I don't do it any, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So I'm just, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I'm just weird. So it's, that's true. That's, that's, that's undisputed. Um, so the, (laughs) you know, the thing is also that one of the things that we are getting away from is, and, and I never liked it when my parents did it, so we don't do it. And is that's the forcing of a kiss, no matter what it is. My parents yes, always no made you do it. Or like if you were saying goodbye, goodnight to your dad, oh, you have to kiss your dad goodnight, whether you were pissed off at him or not because he was being an asshole. It was always like, you got to kiss your dad goodbye, I mean, goodnight, and, or goodbye. And, and I dreaded it and I hated it. It became a loathsome thing. And I, I really was upset with my mom for making us doing it and for him to, to do that power play crap. And so for us, it's not a must. Um, but I, yeah, but it's so that that that's our take on it. It's like you know, kissing is fine, but also not the requirement that you have to. I'm glad you brought that up because um, that's actually a big thing that I I didn't realize until someone pointed it out too. But that even in my childhood, it wasn't that my parents were like, "Oh, you have to," because I never said no. But it was just that understanding that you have to kiss 
these relatives and hug these relatives. And I, I know that I didn't always want to, I just thought I had to. And so that's definitely, and it was uncomfortable. So that's definitely something that I have tried to keep in mind with my kid too, is we don't ever force him to do any physical touch at all. We don't ever say he has to, he's allowed to have a no, but I do give him a kiss on the cheek. So like, if I say, give mommy a kiss and he says no, I say, okay, well, I'm just going to give you a kiss on the cheek. That's funny because with Tim, it's, well, Tim's older than Oliver and Tim, he's vocal about it. Like some, um, Drew's grandmother, we were all over Drew's parents' house and Drew's grandmother was like, okay, I'm leaving. Tim, can I have a hug? And Tim looked at her and went, hmm, maybe tomorrow and walked away. (laughs) And it was like, that was the end of it. She was like, okay, maybe tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, it's fair. Everybody doesn't want to be physical all the time. Right. And it's like, I mean you know me, Lauren, I don't do hugs. I don't do anything like that. And I guess my son is getting that from me. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just funny to see him respond that way. You know, it's interesting. And I I, I don't want to get too uh, here, but one of the things that I'm very cognizant is that, again, I am between my wife and I, uh, I am definitely the more, uh, Romantic, emotional, actually, is a better word. I'm the more emotional person. I'm the one that requires hugs and kisses. And, and you know, I, I, I told her the other day, I, and, and it's been, been an argument that we've had for the longest time, I need to be told I'm loved. I, I need to be shown that I'm loved. Whereas with her, she just takes it as a given um, that, hey, Hugo's always going to be there for me, so I don't need to hear it all the time, but I need to hear it. But one of the things that I'm being more cognizant of is that I am the model for my for my children in the sense of how a father or a man behaves. And one of the things that I'm more cognizant of now is that I do ask for permission to hug and to sometimes to them to be kissed. Or that if I'm out and about anywhere and I see my friends, you know, I'm just usually very quick to touch. But nowadays, because I know that my kids are around, I am more mindful of asking for that because i one of the things that i was telling my son is that you just never know whether somebody is a hugger or not a hugger and until you have a certain rapport with somebody else you kind of need to feel them out ask permission and understand where they're coming from and don't just automatically assume that you have permission to touch nice right all right next one almost nobody denies me a hug because i'm very hungry (laughs) all right so the next one what's your response to picky eaters i'm making one dinner and one dinner only oh i'll make whatever as long as they eat fuck no motherfuckers you eat what i make (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) okay well although my kid is still two fresh a fresh two so we can have somewhat of that discussion but i don't he is not yet able to tell me my stomach hurts. My mouth hurts. I don't like that. That made my stomach hurt last time I ate it. So because I can't know those things yet, I give him options, um, but they're not unlimited. So he has those little sectioned off plates, the portioned ones Mm -hmm. that usually have three sections. So usually I put three things on the plate, sometimes four, um, small servings of things that I either no, he will like some of them. Usually there's at least something I know he'll eat or things that I think he'll like. And I try to make it look nice. And 
that's pretty much the best. If he absolutely ate nothing, then I'll give up and give him a like a snack bar because I don't want to send him to bed hungry. Oh, girl, you'll get over that. Trust me. Well, I know <laughs> when he's old enough to talk to me, but like right yeah. now, like the other day, we had this whole war over eating, and then I took him into nap without food and he starts chewing on his fingers and I'm like oh my god you're getting another tooth and you are in pain while eating and I yelled at you like I felt like shit so I'm trying to like wait until we get past that page to be too strict but I also have this whole thing about like not cultivating an emotional eating environment you know yeah I mean like don't get me wrong there are some times where I make dinner and I know Tim's not going to eat it so I will ask him, what does he want for dinner? Because I know he's not going to eat what Drew and I are having. But when he gets to pick his dinner, it's from a limited option. And it's foods that are like fast and easy to make. So it'll be like mac and cheese or chicken nuggets. It'll be something that I can just, not going to take me forever to make. And it's, I usually still have him try whatever it is Drew and I are having. Um, But yes. He's I think that's perfect. A good chunk of what we are eating because they, they have to. Just, that's just the whole thing. They, they have to make the attempt. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not an ogre about it. I make about 99% of the meals here uh, at home. and But we started very early on. I mean, again, I, my kids are a little bit older, but during the time when my wife was the one that was primarily making the meals, we had pretty much something different every single night. Uh, we were with a company called Dream Dinners back then where you go and pre-make your meals for the month. And so we always, because it was an easier way for us to go around making, you know, getting our food to us and not have to go to restaurants every single day or not have to shop for all the ingredients. And so we would go to this place. And the kids got used to the fact that there was always something a little bit different. Some recipes, some things that we made were, that were favorites, some were not. And they started giving us feedback fairly early on about this I like, this I don't like. But it was never, I, there was never the option necessarily of I refuse to eat anything. Um, and so also food for us here is a family affair in the sense of my son is a baker. He loves to bake and, and so we've been encouraging that for years. My daughter is more of, she, she likes to do skillet kind of stuff. And so the fact that they also know the ingredients, where they're coming from, that they're chopping them, that they're kind of understanding you know, where, uh, where the flavors are coming in. I mean, watch a lot of Top Chef, too. It's made it so that food, they're part of the food chain as far as making it. And yes. therefore, it's they don't get to necessarily say, well, I don't, I'm not going to have something because they know where it's coming from. That's a really good point, and that's also something that I hope, like, as my kid gets older, I hope to, you know, I'm already starting to have him help me a little bit when he can, but I'm excited to get into that because I've definitely seen that help with kids that I've, like, nannied and stuff in the past, so um, when do you guys think that age sort of hit where you felt comfortable to be like, well, you're eating this or you're not, or you felt comfortable to, like, really enforce those kind of boundaries with your kids? Well, I, I guess I would say around third grade, fourth grade is probably when, when they have enough uh, palate or experience of palate okay. to, to, to know what it is that they like and they don't like. I mean, for instance, with us, tomato is a non-starter here. Everybody loves it and hates it except me. 
And so, <laughs> you know, at one point I realized, why am I making things with too heavy on tomato if they're just if they're just going to dread it and not enjoy it? And so I really stopped making that um, and whatnot. Um, and broccoli is another one. And, and sometimes, and we have this joke around here where we tell them that your taste buds will change, that your likes will change over time. Um, but I think they were on that third and fourth grade year. That's when they start being able to truly verbalize and have enough experience in what they've had in the past to say, hey, I like this, or and I don't like that for now. And, and so as the person kind of plans for the shopping and plans the dinner, then, then I make adjustments of, um, I'll just try to make things that you know that need to be made, but not necessarily emphasize on the ingredients that I know that they're just not keen on. Oh. Um, as for me, it's still we're still in that gray area. Um, but I know from when I was a child that um, my son is on the smaller side of like the weight spectrum. Um, and I sometimes don't even fight with him just for the fact that it's like, as long as you eat something, I honestly don't care what it is. Um, so it's like, he won't eat dinner. He'll get up, he'll go play and do whatever. Fine. Then like an hour later, he's like, oh, I'm hungry. And I'm like, okay, what do you want? And he'll just tell me what he wants. I usually give it to him because at least he's eating something. Yep. Or some nights I'm just like, you know what? Like, you're clearly not starving because you would have ate dinner that's been sitting at the table. So it's time for bed. The end. That was last night. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to fight with you. We're going to bed. It is bedtime. So, yeah, I, and I mean, I he woke up this morning and he was fine and he had breakfast. So it's like, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And, um, and it's good to, for me to hear this stuff a lot because I get a lot of feedback from parents who have good eaters that are just like, oh, keep trying. And I'm like, yes, I know. Periodically, I do try him on the same foods again, but it is not that simple when you have a picky eater or you have a toddler with an just an opinion in general. It's not that easy. Just right. be like, oh, yep, well, here's your broccoli. Eat it or don't. <laughs> you know, as in all things, moderation. Uh you know, not as an aside, you know, kids go through different phases, right? And so, for instance, I'm not talking about food, but let's talking about sleep. I have a team. I have teenagers now in the house. And one of the things that I realize is that their sleeping patterns are way, all of, they're all over the place. Now, I could be a stickler and say, well, no, we go to bed at this time and we wake up at this time and then run the place like a, like a drill sergeant. But what I realize is that their bodies are telling them what it is and what they don't, what, what they need and what they don't need. I mean, we have these internal clocks that we may not understand, but our, our bodies, for the most part, are trying to keep us alive and, give, and tell us what it is that we need at any given point in time. It's the same with food. Your kiddo may have a certain uh, metabolism now, and that may change over time. So I think as long as you're adjusting, but you're not going out of your way to re you know, reinvent the wheel, but as long as you're keeping him alive and, you know, he seems to be happy and okay and all other things in life, I think you're doing all right. That yeah. is definitely a good point. And actually kind of brings me into my next question as well, talking about kids and their uniqueness. Um, so I had a question for you guys, which is how do you differentiate your 
the things that you like and that maybe you sort of hoped your kid would like versus finding out what they actually like, like not pushing, like, are you putting your kids in your favorite team's you know, onesies as babies and putting a football in their hand or, you know, like, where's that balance for you guys to try and find out who they really are versus what you want them to maybe be? That is a struggle. I'll start with this because my kids are older, I think. That is a struggle that I have more and more as they get uh, as they get older. There are hopes that I had for both my son and my daughter that are just not they're, they're just not materializing because they are turning out to be different people in the sense of my son is definitely more like my wife and my daughter is more like me. And I always thought that my son would be more like I and that we would have so many different things in, in common that, you know, we would be best of buds. And we're not there at this point in time. Now, I could fight and try to mold my own image. But because his personality is one way, what I, I think I will end up doing is drawing him away. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, pushing him away, which is kind of what happened with, between my dad and I. So I'm not trying to, so I try not to do that. But it is one of the hardest parts to think, I have these aspirations for you. There are these things that I want to pass on to you because I think that they're important. And they might actually reject them. In the the ability of an adult to realize that they are going to go a different way and be okay with it, that is one of the hardest things to do. I, and for me, it's the writing. I'm a writer, I've always been one. And my kids are not, they're more on the mathematical end. And I, and I struggle with understanding them in, in that sense. Um, but I can't force them to write. Or it would be like if my kid, if one of us was a musician and you want your kid desperately to be a musician like you and they say, I just don't like that. Uh, it's just not something that I want to do. I don't want to pick a violin or a piano. I don't want to sing. It, it would be hard for you. Thank to, God it, my kid does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, but it also will change uh, or it might change. And so I think the, it's the balance that I'm trying to strike as a parent is there are things that I will pass on to you because I, they have helped me in my life. But once I have given them to you, you need to have your own agency to make decisions about the person that, I, that you want to be. And I have to figure out a way to be proud of that. Um, because if I'm not, then I'm going to lose my relationship with my kid. And that would be a real tragedy. Right. Just to piggyback off of that. I think it's just you would need to, you just need to teach your kids the right values and like things like that. And it's up for them to decide. Like, I mean, everyone wants their child to be like, you know, my goal for my child was to be a baseball player. You know what I mean? Like, yep. <laughs> so it's like, I want him to be a baseball player, but I'm not going to force him into being a baseball player because then he's not going to want to do it. Like, yeah. I mean, you remember being a kid and your parents wanting you to do something and you're like, nope, I'm not about it. Like, I'm good. So it's like, the only thing in my house is I have a no football rule. Tim will not play <laughs> football. And it's so funny because when I ask, like, and he knows it. And when I ask him, like, oh, what sports are you going to play? And he was like, hmm, 
maybe baseball or golf. And I'm like, you're right. That Those are the two safe ones. We're good. <laughs> and it's like also, I mean, I, I mean, with football, it's like so many head injuries. My son's already yeah. had a head injury. I'm like, I don't need that. We don't need yeah, that. No. Like, so I'm like, nope, there will be no football in this household. <laughs> and he know knows my- that. And it's funny because if someone asks him about playing football, he will be like, no, I don't want to get my head hurt. But I'm like, smart choice, my man, smart choice. So it's yeah. like you can only teach them, like, you know, now, things like that and then have them make their own decision. Now, what, just to be a contrarian, what do you tell somebody that says, listen, boys have been playing football since the beginning of time. Actually, that's not true, but they've been playing uh, football for a long time. <laughs> it's a good sport as far as, you know, learning what team uh, spirit is like, um, you know, and, what if it's something that he really wants to do? Why would you deny him that opportunity? What do you say to that? I would definitely just bring up the fact that my son's already had brain surgery. <laughs> um, he can play flag football. Right. And it's like there are other sports out there that will teach him the sportsmanship of everything like that. Um, I just don't think football would be a good decision because he has already had a brain injury. So it's like I don't yeah. want him to become the next Aaron Hernandez and go mentally crazy over it. You know what I mean? Like he's already had one. I'm good. No, <laughs> you guys. I'm like I know you can have um, injuries in all sports, but football. It's just it's there's the too many to like. There's too many cases now coming out of people having um, CTE and I just, or yeah, that's, I think that's what it's called. I just don't want my son to be a part of that. You know, I, I don't know that we would necessarily consider it a rule. I know that it's something that my children are not necessarily gravitating towards too, so we don't need to worry about it. But I, I guess my football is the military. Like I would rather my children not go into the military unless they were going to go something where it was going to be more on the technological side or anything along yeah. those lines. I just don't feel like putting my kids in harm's way if we don't have to. But one of the yeah. things I grapple with is the fact that there will be an age where our kids will be 16, 17, 18, and they will start making decisions about what it is that they want to do. And and I'm and because I'm closer to that now than, than you guys are, I, I'm starting not to dread those moments of, I want to do an activity that, is not would not be your preference, mom and dad. And how am I? How do I end up okay with that at that age? And how do I grapple with that? And I and I don't have good answers to that because I'm not there yet. Yeah, I mean, I have the same military issues probably as you. Yeah. Um, and I haven't even thought of that yet. Um, I don't know how I would act with that one. Um, with football, I feel like it's a lot easier just for the fact that, I mean, I... Uh... Well, somebody's got to pay for the equipment, so... Right. <laughs> if I'm not paying for it, it's, you know, too bad, so sad. But Right. And let's be real. I mean, I don't think my child is going to be the next football, next Tom Brady <laughs> or anything like that. Um where I live, we live in Baltimore. Um, he has a more chance of being on the Orioles because they suck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's good. <laughs> Listen, as long as well, you make it to the Ravens, definitely not. <laughs> I want him to be an Oriole. How about them, Ozan? Oh, God, no. 
Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this interview with Hugo from Hugo's Posts. Um, we've got more to it, but we're uh, splitting this episode into two parts. Um, so we will have the second half for you guys in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned. Hugo, did you have any other topics that you wanted to bring? Well, I, I guess, you know, and I was supposed to do homework, but just like in college, I didn't do it. And so I'm kind of grappling <laughs> at the last minute to, You're fine. To, to, to do it. Oh, trust me, I know. I'm, I'm the cat's pajamas. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess a component of it is let's talk about the, the social media as far as how you guys work within it or how you guys will plan to monitor it as, as, as the kids get older. So I guess my, my, my question is two parts. One is, what is your social media strategy for yourself? doesn't mean business-wise, just what's your social media strategy for yourself? And B, what will your rules be eventually when the kids get a phone, get a social, get a Instaface, get a Twitter machine thing. Like, how would you guys monitor and look at that? You want to go first, Lauren, or you want me to? You go ahead. All right. So for myself, <laughs> I take um, mental breaks from social media a lot. I'm actually doing one now. Um, I deleted Instagram. I deleted Twitter. I deleted Snapchat, I deleted all that. Um, I deleted Facebook. I They're still activated. I just deleted the apps. Um, I only allow myself to check Facebook, you know, like once or twice a day. Just I don't really post anything. It's just to see if I have any notifications. I'll, you know, scroll the timeline a little bit and then I move on. Um, I just... I know how I react to social media and things I see that I don't like. Um, I don't want to say something because I don't want to be that person, nor do I want to delete them. So I just remove myself from the situation. Um, And then, so that's for me. And then for my son, um, I joke about this with my husband all the time. I feel so bad for Tim when he's old enough to have a phone because first thing, my man is starting with a flip phone that he has to learn T9 word and all that stuff. Oh you got to know that you hit, had to hit the two button three times to get to see, like he's going to struggle the way we struggled. Um, <laughs> um, I'm also, my background for my work is in technology. So I always joke with my husband. I also feel really bad for Tim because he's not going to be able to pull the shit that I pulled on my parents. Um, <laughs> I was very open with my social media with my mother. Um, She is not technologically advanced, um, but she saw everything I did on Facebook when I was younger or MySpace. Um, Wow. So she like, she (laughs) wasn't upset with anything that I posted. I'm not the type of person to post risque photos or anything like that. Even when I was younger, like, Um, so I'm hoping that I will have that really, or I hope to build that relationship with my son to where he's comfortable enough to where we could be Facebook friends. So I don't have to necessarily 
do what my mom did because my mom didn't have the social media. Um, so she would kind of just, you know, shoulder surf. Um, I hope to be friends with my child and see what they're posting and, or if there's an issue that he'll come to me about it instead of going off or whatever. Um, and then, I mean, it's just a scary world we live in now with bullying and everyone feels comfortable enough to post whatever they want. Um, because they're not saying it face to face. So I hope to like teach him when he's older that if it's not something you would say to the person in the room, don't post it because I I actually saw a video about this this morning. Like, um, that person that you're posting, it might not be terrible to you, but they could be at the lowest moment of their life right now. And that could be the last straw, you know? So I hope to teach Tim and maybe hammer that into (laughs) his head, if you will, that you need to just respect social media. (laughs) It's not going anywhere. It's, it's here to stay. Unfortunately. How how long will the uh, self-imposed mental break last? Is it just a matter of you feel it when you feel it or? For myself? Um, I, Technically, I don't know if I'm going to bring some of those back because I just, you know, I'm now used to it where I don't feel the need to check it. And I like that. So I don't know if I'm going to bring Instagram or Snapchat back. Um, Facebook, I think I'll always keep around just because, you know, it is how I keep up with my family and things like that. So I can't really delete it altogether as much as I want to. Um but it is how I keep up with, you know, friends from high school that I don't necessarily talk to. So I don't think I'll ever delete it, but I do like the only checking it a couple times a day instead of back in the time, like back a couple months ago where I would literally pick up my phone every 10 minutes and just, you know, scroll for 10 minutes and then put it down. Like I was just so attached to my phone that it was sickening. Um, so I don't necessarily know that if I'll ever bring any of the any of them back to the way it was because I just like how freeing it is now that I don't need to check my phone a million times a day. Fair enough. That's you know, I, I think that's healthy. I, I it's, it's I, I wish I had that uh, that ability because it's not easy. It is not. It it was a hard thing to break. <laughs> All right, so that's one, and I, and I think you're doing it right from the standpoint of taking a mental health, not getting into arguments with other people, definitely not putting salacious photos. I think shame on anybody, truly, this is why I participate, shame on anybody who would take the time to put salacious, uh, flirty photos on their podcast. With that being said, there's an answer on the other side of that. Well, anyway, so I guess mine's probably kind of different. <laughs> I um, am a musician so my answer is just going to be different like not i'm going to sound trying not sound douchey when i say this um i've like always just kind of expected my whole life to sort of be put out there because i've always wanted to be a performer and i'm not under a delusion that i'm going to be famous but you know as a performer you kind of have to put a certain degree of your life out there um and I've just always been comfortable with that. You know what I mean? Like I write the lyrics to our songs, so it's not hard to, to know like my deepest, darkest fears or the things that like made me the saddest or the happiest in life. So why do I care if someone sees 
um, a flirty picture of me or why do I care if someone reads a tweet that says fucking it, you know, like I just don't care. Um, so for my own thing, the only thing I worry about is just trying, I don't put like, I don't try and put like location based information out there where I think like, like I have done like check-ins on Facebook. Um, I would not check into my kid's school or anything like that, but like, you know, people who are Facebook friends with me know a little more specifically intimate details about like my personal information, but I don't add just anyone on Facebook, you know? So Twitter, Instagram, things like that. Yeah, I'm still sharing my soul. Um, sometimes, you know, my in- my Twitter pictures are a little bit, you know, hot, hot, hot. Um, <laughs> um, and things of that nature. Um, I just don't, I just don't care. And I, I, like, I honestly do think of it before I share things. I do think of it in the scope of what, um, how would I feel if our band blew up overnight? <laughs> like, it's probably never going to happen, but you kn- it could, you know, that's something you have to consider. Um, let's say we're that one in a million and our band's like famous tomorrow. Um, do I care if this gets back to my mom? Do I care if this gets back to, you know, whoever back home is going to see this? And I just don't care. And, um, I usually am very open and share a lot of myself because I think that it will help others, not just to like parade myself around. Sometimes it's that we all want validation attention. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to justify that, I don't feel. But also, like, one thing that, like, I guess this is a little different, but, like, one thing that I've considered a lot over the course of my life is, like, if I were, like, a famous musician, would I pose in this kind of clothing? Or would I do naked photos, like, you know, this and that? And something that I decided after breastfeeding, I started to hate my boobs. And I decided in that moment, excuse me, because I had seen other boobs (laughs) on like Twitter and different things. And I had, and seen different stomachs and seen different bodies. And I was like, okay, like my body is okay. It's, it's fine. It's normal. And in that moment I was like, you know, if I ever got famous, maybe I would, um, just for the fact that I want people to see like a normal body. And I don't know, like if I had that moment of feeling accepted, I want other people to feel that way. You know what I mean? So, I guess I'm just very open um, because that's kind of always how I've thought of it. Like, again, I'm not trying to be, like, super, like, douchey here and be like, I'm going to be famous because I'm quite sure that's never going to happen. But that's kind of always been my – I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, if everyone knew my name, they would see this information and would I care. And I just don't. Um, So that's how I deal, you know, for myself and – for my kid, I don't know. As long as he's being safe and, as you said, being kind, I've just kind of always felt like, I guess, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like, I guess, it's it's his decision once he reaches a certain age. I'm just, I'm nervous about young kids on the internet. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I worked for a long time. I was a manager of a real estate company, and when you do that, you, you, primarily the, the residential industry is, um, I'm going to say a good 60% of it is, are women. 
that work within it. And so for the majority of my tenure doing that, uh, most of my agents were, you know, women, older women uh, or, or, or you know, moms that were just trying to get into the industry. And so I used to have an agent that worked for me who, her kiddo would come into the office and she was probably about 12, 13, my kid's age when she was coming in. And she was just this cute kid, you know, that comes in and she would hang out in the office and, you know, she would, while mom was doing paperwork, she was running up and down and, and being a silly little kid. And, you know, you spend so much time with people that they become your family. And a few years after I met her, one day I was on the Instaface and all of a sudden I got a friend request. And, and I saw that it was her and it was all for the most part benign photos of the kiddo. At that point, I think she was like 15. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. It's something to, you know, I usually don't say yes or no to anybody on just like everything that I post in is relatively benign. But then this kiddo got to be 16, 17, 18, and I noticed right away that the um, the photos were changing because like any 17, 18-year-old that thinks that they're cute, they start sharing more of themselves. And nothing salacious, nothing necessarily bad, but you can tell that the poses were different, that the mirror shots were becoming more uh, flirty and whatnot. And so I deleted her off of the uh, Instagram and talked to her mom and I said, hey, listen, it's not anything against what she's doing. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong. But I feel weird as a 30-something-year-old having access to your kiddos' photos um, because I don't see her that way. You know, she, 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 she's like my kid. And, and, and it's something that you may want to monitor and, and want to take a look at because her instant face is open to the world. And I have access to it, but who the heck knows who has access to that? And whether she did or she didn't, that's that's their own issue. I think that for what what it taught me is that you don't know who's looking. And so when it comes to my kiddos, I want to make sure that they are as mature and as developed as possible before they start sharing themselves in the world. Like you, I am not opposed to putting a shirtless photo online or uh, to discuss issues that are involved sex or that involves my thoughts on religion or anything about that. The reason why my Facebook, my Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter have my name is because if I can't stand behind what I say, then I probably shouldn't be posting it in the first place. But I have the maturity of a 40-something-year-old to know what I stand behind. I think it's very challenging for young people whose brains are still developing to then be thrust into the world of adults and then have them deal with all the bullshit that sometimes people throw at you because they just don't like their opinion. And so as long as my kids are underage and until they start paying for their own stuff, I like the idea of them having a flip phone or something that where they can access me if there's an emergency, but at the same time not be thrown to the walls of online. As far as, you know, Lauren, in, 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 in where you come from, I'm glad to hear that you have given it a lot of thought and that at the end of the day you decide this is who I am, this is where my philosophy is on things, I am making decisions as a grown person about what I care to share and what I don't care to share, and that, you know, fuck it, because I stand behind it. It's my likeness, it's my person, I can do what I want with it. And so I think it's just a matter of finding a balance for yourself. Um, the, the world's going to judge either way. Exactly. Yep. 
the teenage years but it's scary how young it's already starting so uh, we will continue to update on this podcast Lindsay. right like as our kids start to oh yeah (laughs) but um did you guys have any final last things you wanted to well, more than anything, I guess what I would want to know from from you guys as being relatively younger younger parents is, and, and, and you know, it's obviously your podcast and there's like two of you as moms. But I guess the question that I would have is, how do the men in your life figure into your parenting? Hmm. Like besides the dads? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like how do. How does the dad come into play? Like, because I, I mean, you guys spend—I I don't know—and I could be wrong—but you guys spend a preponderance of your time with the kiddos. What percentage of the time do the men spend? You know, spend time, and, and what is it that you're that you like, not like, of, of their interactions with them? Hmm. That's a loaded question, I know. Well, I'll—I have something actually. Um. So Seth is really good with Oliver and very loving and um, very willing to take him on like the weekends and evenings. I'm with him all day. So when he gets home, I'm pretty much like, can you take him? If he has to shower, I'm like, put him in the shower with you. If he has to go to the store, I'm like, take him to the store with you. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, I haven't even been able to use the bathroom with the door closed all day. (laughs) Sure. But um so he's really great in that way. But one thing that um, we had to talk about, you know, recently is that like, as his primary caretaker, I am the one who isn't just taking care of him, but is taking the time to think about all those extra things that need to be taught and experienced for a kid. Like it was my idea to get him a zoo membership for Christmas it was me who had the idea to take him to the senior center for Valentine's day because he needs to learn about kindness and old people. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? Like those kind of things that like enrich your kid's life and teach them more than just the ABCs are really all coming from me. And so I don't know if that's something that will change or even could change when, you know, he's not the one that's, you know, been doing that but um that is something that i brought to his attention so i don't know it's just an interesting dynamic that i noticed and that's probably um one of the biggest sources of pressure i think as um as a mom for me is to realize you know that not only am i in charge of keeping him alive (laughs) most of the time but i also am in charge of like making him into a, a whole person and not just someone who you know, eats fruit snacks and watches Almo. <laughs> right. right. Um, for me, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I mean, I, you know, make the dinners, bedtime. Uh, my husband, I make sure he does bath time. Uh, my son actually really loves when my husband picks him up from daycare because he gets a couple hours with dad that are alone and Aww. they play video games because that's what they do together. Um, it is kind of, and I complain, we've talked about this before on the podcast. It's hard as a mom who was home a lot in the beginning with the child 
or for Lauren, who's still at home, um, we get the comfort of the child. So what that means is like, I get the one who I get the side of Tim that doesn't listen all the time because he knows that I'm still going to be there and I'm still going to love him. Um, there will be times where my, I have to work and my husband will stay home with Tim and he's an angel all day. And then as soon as I walk in the door, Tim, it's like a light switch flips and Tim becomes the Tim that I know. And my husband will look at me and be like, he hasn't acted like this all day. And I'm like, yeah, but this is the Tim that I get every day. So now do you understand why I need time away? Because this is the version of Tim that I always have. Um, we get the Tim, I get the Tim, or Lauren gets the Oliver that, um, what is the word that we always say, Lauren? There's a the, word for it. I don't, I remember it, the thing that said they were, that mom is an emotional garbage disposal. That's it. Um, so we get like all the emotions and he doesn't, he gets to feel himself. Tim gets to be himself when he's with us. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves with my husband is I can raise my voice to Tim because he doesn't listen to me anyway. So even when I raise my voice, it <laughs> doesn't matter. It just becomes a yelling match between the both of us. But the moment my husband raises his voice and goes from a zero to 100, I literally get so offended. And I look at Drew and I'm like, you do not talk to him like that. <laughs> and Drew will literally he'll call me out. He was like, "You literally just yelled at Tim five minutes ago," and I'm like, "But you can't do that." <laughs> like, Drew yelled at right. I'm like, you, yes. you cannot talk to him like that. And I guess it's because it also goes for the flip side of like Tim. Even though I'm his emotional like garbage disposal, he in a way is kind of mine as well. And it's like. No one's gonna talk. I no one's gonna talk to him like that. So it's really funny because my husband will call me out when I do that all the time. But no one is gonna talk to my child like that besides me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess yeah, I, I get that. It's obviously I have a different outlook on it. First and foremost, because my kids are much older, and second of all, because during those years, my wife was the one that was uh, with them when they were very little. Um, I and I, I know coming home from the office from a long day and her being just completely white and uh, for me to like be disruptive and doing like huge shenanigans didn't wasn't funny. It was funny for me, but it wasn't funny for her. Um, yeah, it's so weird being on the flip side of it now. Uh, but but also the fact that my kids they don't need me as much anymore. I mean, they spend the majority of their day at school. I'm basically the person that picks them up and feeds them, and then we hang out at night, but then they want to go out there and play their video games or hang out with their friends. I mean, that's where my kid is at now. He's out there uh, hanging out with his pals, and he'd rather go go to the movies or go play in the park with his friends than be here at home with me, you know, doing the stuff that I like. And so it's a special time that you guys have, and for all of these challenges, I mean, I sometimes when I think about whether we should have kids anymore or not, which we're not, we're not. Um, I worry, I mean, I, I wish that I had spent more time being a dad, a full-time or, or, or 
that when they were very, very little, because that's when they needed you, and you could really spend some time forming them in my environment. And, and for the most part, although I still do that in a way, it's different now because they're their own little people. All right. That's interesting. It's definitely interesting to hear that other side of it. So I'm glad yeah. that you're able to come on for us. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I know that, you know, that this has been a long time coming and something that I've been looking forward to. And I hope I didn't monopolize too much of the conversation with my blabbing. No, I think it was a super rad, fun time episode. Yes, and it was <laughs> nice to get the dad's side. Well, yeah, yes. a dad, you know, and, and, and I mean, how often do you guys have super attractive older Hispanic men on your show? So for that alone. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Hugo at 40. Hashtag <laughs> Chef Hugo. That's right. You follow me there. All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much. I had a great time. We're glad Thanks to meet you. Too. Yeah. Good. And, you Signing know. off. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>